And now, live, it's time. Harwell go back into the gun. Jacobs cuts middle, walks in. Jackpot, baby. Josh Jacobs, touchdown. It's time for the JT the Brick Show. We have a good team. We have a good team that competes with the second all the time. On Raider Nation Radio, 920 AM. We don't feel like effort's been an issue at all. It's the handoff. Bust toward the end. Jackpot, baby. Pinion Drake takes it home. Here's your host, JT the Brick. Thanks for coming back, everybody. JT here in beautiful Summerlin, Nevada. If you're outside the market and listening on that mobile app, come on out to Vegas and visit us as we are brought to you by Woodson Bourbon Whiskey. You hear Charles talking about it all the time. If it wasn't your game day whiskey, it is now. Go to woodsonwhiskey.com to find a store near you that carries it. Ask every bar, restaurant, liquor store you go to, supermarket, that you want Woodson Bourbon Whiskey. Charles was just in town sitting with the owner. He's in the locker room, fired up for the Raiders as they are in the playoffs. And Charles Woodson and Woodson Bourbon Whiskey is a proud partner of our radio show year-round. They're a big partner because we want to make sure this brand, this unbelievable whiskey, is all around the globe on top of Intercept Wine and everything that Charles is doing there. So grab a bottle before the big playoff game this weekend at Cincinnati. Available now at Smith's Food and Drug, Lee's Discount Liquor, Liquor World, and other fine liquor stores. So a lot of movement with coaches in the NFL. It's been a big topic on my national show that I do every night on Sirius because Joe Judge got fired by the Giants. And the reason why Joe Judge got fired is he couldn't clean it up. Kept using that term, clean it up. We'll clean it up. And what happened was, this is very important with the Raiders and Rich Passaccia, which I'll tie together. Joe Judge was in over his head. Rich Passaccia was not. Even NFL Network didn't realize that Rich Passaccia was the assistant head coach for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, San Diego Chargers, and the Dallas Cowboys. He had that role with the Raiders as he was elevated to interim head coach. Joe Judge came from the Patriots under Belichick. The Giants wanted him. John Mara, the owner, wanted him, and it didn't work. And he couldn't handle the press conferences. The games were getting out of control. The team wasn't playing well, and he was probably going to get another year. But he kept going into the press conferences when the team wasn't playing well, and he would go into the press conference saying, hey, we're doing a lot of things great. There's no quit in that locker room. we got to clean it up. And then the Giant fans eventually said, the hell with you. The team sucks. They're getting worse every game, and you're saying the same thing at the press conference. And in their last game against the Washington football team, they were backed up against their own end zone. And they had two formations for a quarterback sneak. And he got fired because of that. Because the team looked in disarray. The coach lost the team. They, they didn't have the right plays in. They were playing worse football at the end of the year. So it took a few days because ownership probably needed to be convinced because they like him. They like Joe Judge. But they understood from the fans, the media, that he had to be let go. So he is the latest coach added to the coaching carousel. Now, I said when the season started, and I say it every year, that there's usually six coaching opportunities. But this year, I thought there'd only be about three or four. Now, there wouldn't be as many. But then it turned out to be the typical six again. So six coaches have been let go, NGMs, and that seems to be the consistent number that we see every year. No matter what happens in the league, no matter who makes the playoffs, there's probably going to be six head coaches fired. So leading to Rich Passaccia, people have asked me, what do, you th- what do I think is going to happen? 
I don't comment on that. I interview the coach. I'm the only one in town who interviews this coach every week on TV. I work for the coach. I interview the coach. We try to put content out on TV. I'm not going to speculate if he's going to be here or not. That's not my job. My job is he's the head coach, address him as the head coach, and hope he wins every game. Rich Passaccia has done a hell of a job, hell of a job getting this resilient team to the playoffs where they'll face the Cincinnati Bengals and one of the best national sports talk hosts, also a Bengals insider, my friend Andy Furman, kind enough to join us. And here we go, Andy. We're back ahead. You're 1-0 against your boy, the Brick. How are you? Listen to you. Listen to you. Happy New Year, Brick. What's going on? Everything's great, my friend. The first game out here in Cincinnati, uh, Bengal fans had reason to be loud. It was a close contest, and then Cincinnati just pulled away and dominated the second half. Mixum had over 100 yards. The Raiders held Chase in check, and now both teams find themselves in the playoffs, but this time in Cincinnati. How do you see it? Well, you know what? Basically, you say the Bengals won that game 32-13 in Week 11, but I think really and truly it was the Raiders that lost it because they kind of fumbled it up in the fourth quarter. Burrow was held in check, as you mentioned. He was something like 20 for 29, under 150 yards, and Jamar Chase, who's gone crazy of late, he only had three passes for 32 yards. So I would say that basically uh, it was a toss-up. But if you're looking forward to this week's game in Cincinnati, 430 Eastern time, uh, honestly, I think the Bengals may have an edge. I'll tell you why. A, they're rested. B, they're somewhat healthy. C, they're 9-1 and one when they don't turn over the football in the last three games against the Chiefs, the Browns. They had no turnovers, hence they won the game. And I think it's not real fair what they did to the Raiders, making them play late Sunday in a short week, coming to fly cross-country to Cincinnati on Saturday. Yeah, I'm happy you brought that up as you're in Cincinnati. A lot of Raider fans... You know, Andy, it's funny because the Raider fans aren't complaining about that. They're more, they were complaining about the game that was moved against Cleveland. Remember, they were supposed to play Cleveland on Saturday. They right. moved that game to Monday, and everybody knew why, to give Baker Mayfield the opportunity to clear protocol. He didn't do it. And then, as you know, the Raiders were, were – were, steam was coming out of their ears when Carson Wentz, unvaccinated Carson Wentz, tests positive for COVID – and then they basically say, hey, no more 10-day protocol. At five, you're clean to play. And he was ready to play, and the Raiders beat him. That's a joke. It really is. This whole COVID situation, they're going crazy in Cincinnati right now. They're spending 60000 at the game, and the, the, play, the city is going crazy. The hospitals, there'll be more, more people in the hospitals than in the ballpark, really. It's nuts right now, and, you know, no one wants to take a stand. The governor's saying make it a local decision as far as vaccination cards coming to the games. And now the mayor of Cincinnati says, well, you know, if you wear a mask, and, and basically, you social distance, you'll be in good shape. What are you talking about? The guy next to you is going to be screaming. No one's going to be wearing a mask. And certainly, they'll be drinking beer and going nuts during the game. So, who knows what's going to happen? Andy Furman's our guest. It's interesting because, as you know, the Raiders' Mark Davis was one of the first to have a vaccine mandate. So, if you were coming to a Raider game, you had to have the app downloaded. You had to prove that you were vaccinated. I supported that from the beginning. Yeah, I, I supported that. But also, this time of year, outdoors in the cold, it's an outdoor stadium. I understand what's happening. I mean, they're not going to say no fans. They're not going to do 10,000 fans. Right. It is what it is. But, you know, back to the Bengals here. What's been happening with Mixum? Because when I saw him have that 123-yard game in Las Vegas, I hit on his stats, and I thought he had more 100-yard games. He's only had three for the entire year. Josh Jacobs had none until the last two games where Jacobs woke up. But I'm surprised that Mixum, you know, I'm looking at the stats here, Andy, in the last 
five games against Kansas City, 46, Baltimore, 65, at Denver, 58, San Francisco, 58, Chargers, 54. I mean, what's going on with him? Are, are they not getting the ball enough, or are the holes not opening as easy? Well, I would say this. Number one, as you know, that uh, Joe Burrow led the league in sacks. He has something like 50, 51 sacks, the most in the league. So the line is rather porous for the Cincinnati Bengals. That's number one. Number two, he's been banged up pretty good this year. Number three, he's coming off COVID. And number four, this is a pass-happy team. I mean, right. Joe Burrow led the league in completions and percentage. So I, I think they're looking for the pass. they got three dynamic pass receivers on this ball club, and, and they're going to the pass a lot more than the run. Simply because Joe Burrow, I, I, uh, Joe Mixon, I've got to believe, is not 100%. Andy Furman joins us. Fox Sports Radio, also a great Cincinnati local sports talk host and a Bengals insider. So uh, if, from the Raiders' perspective, and you could use this too because we've been friends a while, the Raiders are like, give us the Bengals because Joe Burrow's just a baby. He's young, and Chase is young. You know, you're not getting these guys in year six or seven of Montana and Rice, and they look like right. Montana and Rice, but they're young. They haven't played in a game of this magnitude, so you want to get these guys maybe early in their careers here, and I think the Raiders now are going to be much more aware of Chase and the numbers that he has put up. Tell us about Chase, what blows you away with his skills, his route running, and what he does after the catch. Well, his speed is ridiculous. I mean, his moves are okay. But I tell you what, he still has problems holding on to the football. I mean, going into the season, he had a lot of, a lot of drops. He really did. So the concentration factor may not be there at 100%. But the Raiders have the ability to exploit that as far as their defense is concerned. I'm sure of that. And their pass defense, obviously, one of the better pass defenses in the league. You know, you talk about the experience factor. You know, that's a big question. I mean, you know, be cocky and going into this ball game a knowing that they beat the Raiders early on and, and you know not being able to play on that big stage haven't been there before yeah you could argue and say well you know Chase and Burrow have been there with LSU and the big stage but it's a different animal that's a certainly different situation in the National Football League so you know you don't know this is a Bengals team that started you know JT five and two and they got real cocky and then oh, what happened they hit a couple of rope bumps and I said this the other day and I got a lot of heat for it in Cincinnati prior to Sunday to Sunday, the only playoff team the Bengals had beaten were the Kansas City Chiefs. Think about that. I mean, now after Sunday night, obviously Pittsburgh got in and other teams got in. But before that, they only beat one playoff team, Kansas City. Now, does it mean anything? I think it does. I really do. Andy Furman is our guest. Andy, what was your perspective? That, that game I went to for the Chargers and the Raiders was a classic no one expected a classic. They expected one team was going to win in regulation or not. Whoever lost would get knocked out. I never took into effect for a second that there could be a tie. I thought that was wasting time on my radio show. I was wrong. Literally, when the Raiders were at midfield and they didn't want the Chargers to ever have the ball again, I knew that they were going to try to get in field goal range because they had Carlson. But if they weren't yeah. able to do that, incomplete pass or Josh Jacobs doesn't bust out another eight yards on a run – there could have been a tie there that knocked Pittsburgh out. Pittsburgh and Cincinnati has a rivalry, and if it was a tie, the Raiders would have played at Kansas City, their nemesis. Raiders win that game, and they get Cincinnati. And that's why when I hear this argument, I say, A, number one, I don't think anybody in their right mind plays for a tie. That's yes. number one. Number two, if, in fact, that was a, on the back burner of any coach in that situation on that game, they're going to say, wait a minute, we don't want to play Kansas City. We'd rather play Cincinnati than play Kansas City. Absolutely. Andy Furman, as we wrap it up. So 
When the Raiders went to the Super Bowl after the 2002 series, uh, season, they went in 2003, they didn't make the playoffs till 2016. So from 2002 to 2016, I'm with the team. Eight and eight felt good almost because they could never make the playoffs. Now I look at the Cincinnati drought. This is a real drought. How tough has it been on the fans? How excited are they to win a playoff game considering how long it's been? Fans are very fickle. I, mean, I don't have to tell you that. You know that. I mean, you know, all of a sudden now, these people who stayed away and they had like one of the worst attendance factors in the National Football League last year with the pandemic. No one went to the games. They're coming back now. They're coming back in droves. So for people that don't understand this, the last playoff win for the Cincinnati Bengals was on the 6th of January in 1991 when they beat the Houston Oilers 41-14. And that's a topic of conversation, you know, but again, Half these players weren't born at that, that time, number one. And I think there's only three players on the roster right now who were around then, and one of them was Kevin Huber, the punter. So I, I don't think you bring that into play, but I think the fans and media will bring that into play if, in fact, they lose to the Raiders on Saturday. They'll say, well, here we go again. That's going to be the storyline. Yeah, let me tell you as we let you go what the storyline's going to be. If you win, you're supposed to win. It's a very good team, and you're probably going to go back to the playoffs for years to come. If the Raiders win, after everything they've been through this year, coaches' resignation, Henry Ruggs, everything, the whole world is going to say, what the hell is going on here? I mean, look at all these wins, all their injuries, what they've dealt with, and they won a playoff game. I mean, there's a lot at stake for two franchises that have played each other for a really long time. Cincinnati is the favorite. Do you have a play from a betting angle? Because no one here wants the Raiders to lose in cover, so they're only playing the Raiders on the money line here, Andy. Right, and I'm hearing what you're saying, but I, I would say this. Prior to the game on Saturday, I would say it's been a hell of a season for the Raiders just to make the players after mm-hmm. what they've been through. Absolutely. They're very fortunate to be there, and they deserve it by beating the Browns, eliminating them, beating right. the Chargers, eliminating them, and the Colts. I mean, before the Colts lost to Jacksonville, they lost to the Raiders at home in a game that really was an elimination game for the Raiders. Andy, Happy New Year. You're always there for me, man. Happy I really New appreciate you doing always this. Always a pleasure. Always a pleasure. Thank you, JT. Be good. You got it, buddy. Take care. Andy Furman right there in Cincinnati. He is a god on the radio in Cincinnati. He's the guy. So we're able to get him, and obviously he feels good about it. Very interesting what he said about the COVID non-vaccine mandate, because I looked at him on Twitter before we were coming on, because Buffalo's playing outside against New England. They have a vaccine mandate. You cannot go in to Buffalo Stadium without being vaccinated and having the card. Same thing with the Raiders that we used to. You know, you don't hear a peep about it anymore. Any Raider fan who missed the season and missed this missed out on something great in life. Okay, you might think I'm rubbing it in. I am rubbing it in. If you had a choice, and I'm not talking about people medically who couldn't do it. I'm talking about your friends that had a choice or not to get vaccinated to go into that game, and they missed the Charger game. They missed the Ravens game. They missed the tribute to Tom Flores, Charles Woodson, and John Madden, all because they wouldn't get the jab in their arm? Really? Okay. Okay. Let me say this again. You were not missed. No one knew you weren't there because we were sold out. There wasn't a ticket available. And you didn't go to the games? You took the year off? Well, look, in Cincinnati, they don't have to be vaccinated. They can go to the game. And COVID's breaking out there crazy. COVID is real. People are getting it. My best friend in, in California who's in my wedding got it today. He's just out in Palm Springs, 55 years old, fit, playing golf, got it. He's fine. 
not going to go to the hospital, but he's got it. Everybody's getting it now. Do your part not to spread it, to be vaccinated like that. I'm, I'm proud to say I'm vaccinated, double jabbed and a booster. Why wouldn't I? Everybody else is saying it, the commissioner of football, baseball, hockey, and basketball. Well, everybody's saying it, so I'm not afraid to say that, like I'm going to get some backlash from some Twitter troll who's not vaccinated. Do what you're going to do, but you're not going to certain sporting events unless you're vaxxed. And that's going to be the wave now. Yesterday, there's going to be a million people, potentially a million, that test positive for COVID today or tomorrow. A million. It's not going away. And there are people who are getting sick and dying from it. Maybe you don't think you will. And God bless, I hope you don't. But look at the news and the hospitals and the children and the people who are sick that have prior medical issues. Think about them. Not a 23-year-old athlete who's not going to die from COVID. We know that. We're talking about the 60-year-old mom who, who might get sick and die. So we're trying to do our part here. When Mark Davis put out the vaccine mandate and Dan Ventrelli talked about it and he set up the Clear app for everybody and said, please come to our games. We'll get you vaccinated at the game and you can come. That was for a reason. And guess what? They guessed right. They had no idea that COVID was going to be popping like it is again. We've been through this now going on two years. John Gruden printed out the T-shirts, crushed the virus. We're not able to do it. It's getting worse. Hopefully this one isn't as lethal, but it's, it's, it's spreading easier. So help out the people that need the help there. And if you're sick and you're not feeling well, don't come see us at the pregame show and don't come to the game. Stay at home and get your rest until you're fine to go again. But don't listen to these lunatics on Twitter who thinks it's no big deal. They don't watch the news. They're conspiracy theorists. They don't look at the obvious news. They don't have empathy or sympathy for all the people who are getting sick and dying. And the number's massive overall if you take a look at it. So I try to keep it to sports. Andy got me going there a little bit because he's worried about it in Cincinnati. 60,000 fans coming in having to show no vaccination. Just come on in there. That is a super spreader event. Not that it always happens, but that could happen there. And the Raiders got to keep their COVID clean because they're hopefully going to win and march on in the playoffs. Passionate Raider, thanks for waiting and being patient. Go ahead. Yeah, only for you, JT. Only for you, buddy. How you feeling today? I'm good. I'm, I'm worked up. I'm fired up. I'm ready for a win. Know, what do you got? I feel you, man. I feel you, man. Hey, I did it. I got that jab just to come to that Raider game. I was kind of... I don't do shots at all. I don't get the flu shot. I don't get none of that stuff, man. But when the opportunity came, you can give me three of them if had be to get to that game because that game was a bucket list times three game on mm-hmm. Sunday night football. Hey, passionate but, Raider, yeah. passionate Raider, you went to one of the greatest, one of the greatest sporting events of all time in Vegas and one of the greatest, if not greatest, regular season Raider game. You know, you can go back to the Heidi game. There have been great games in Raider history, but regular season games, you happen to get a lottery ticket to go to that game, and you'll be talking about that with your grandkids someday. JT, and top it off, it was my first home Raider game ever in my life. And then you see Jim Plunk inside my jersey standing right by you. Dude, like, you can't you can't make that up, JT. But one thing I was thinking about here since – um. This morning I was getting up, I was rewatching the game again. Yeah. And you know, you're seeing a new Derek Carr, man. You're seeing a guy who's got some edge, he's got some spunk. You're not seeing the guy you've seen the beginning of the year. And, and I, it's making me think in my head is it the coaching? 
Is it because Versace knows how to teach a man more than he knows how to teach the X's and O's? And that sometimes it ain't always about the X's and O's with the coach because you know it, I know it, everyone else knows it. These players are going to run through a wall for this guy. This guy better be I'm, – I'm really hoping – you know, and I, this is one thing I want to say, too, about I get tired of hearing people always say, this is what I want the Raiders to do. I want the Raiders to do that. I want the Raiders to do this. No, we need to realize we need the Raiders to do what's best for the Raiders. I hope, Mark, I pray and hope that Versace is in the cards because you don't get too many coaches that get locker rooms like that and gone through what he's gone through and kept these guys in line. And just his attitude about it. The things he says when you ask him questions in the press conference, that guy is no dummy, man. He is so smart that smart ain't even a smart enough word to use to describe him. So let's pray that Versace gets some recognition because I like what they're doing with Derek, man. They're making him – he's not – the past four or five weeks we're talking about early today, he's not checking the ball down a lot. He's getting more comfortable. Zay Jones is, is, is a top dog receiver right now. He wouldn't even be on the practice squad of another team. But you know what, J.T.? They're rolling. Let's keep it rolling. I know Cincy's not. Them boys are too young over there in Cincy, JT. I think wow. we got this Cincy game. So Appreciate it. Thanks, for, thanks a lot thanks for, for calling and waiting. Call, I appreciate it. You know, it's the, the youth, every team's got young players. Some teams have younger players than others. I hate when they say that in college we're young. Coach K in basketball say, or Calipari's the king. We, we got a young team. Oh, really? Like, what, all your kids are one and done going to the pros. You're always going to have a young team. Raiders have young players, but a lot of good vet, veterans. Of veterans who are legit. In Gawkway, Carr, go around. The secondary, Casey Hayward. They, Perryman. What an addition of Perryman. One less game, he breaks Speaker's all-time record for tackles. I mean, the, some of the guys who came in to be substitutes turned out to be better than the starters. Divine Diablo. Can't wait to see him make a big play. The only thing that, well, I won't say the only thing, but one of the big things that concerns me about this game is the Raiders. Raiders gave up a lot of big plays in the Charger game that were ridiculously bad. Fourth and ten, I thought they played a prevent defense, which when you have a lead, that's why you play a prevent defense. You don't play a prevent defense when you're down. And they were very soft in their coverage, and Herbert was able to get the ball into, the, into tight coverage. Well, Burroughs Herbert. So if it's fourth and 10, if the Raiders stand back 12 yards and don't get physical, Burroughs going to get the ball in just as quick as Herbert. And that's a little bit of a concern there. I'm pretty glasses half full coming off the win against the Chargers. But what the Raiders have to be concerned about is they gave up a lot of big plays, a lot of big plays when the game should have been over. And I hope that doesn't transcend into this game early where they give up big plays when the game's not on the line. Because they gave up a hell of a lot of big plays. And I thought the secondary and defense played pretty good for most of that game. But in the fourth quarter, whatever they were doing, they didn't want anybody over the top. And Herbert was able to throw those darts in the end zone. The 23-yard touchdown pass that he threw was the greatest pass I've ever seen live, other than what Favre did when I was in Oakland, when Brett Favre's dad died. He threw a touchdown into the corner of the end zone, into the north end zone, which was one of the greatest passes I've ever seen. Pocket breaking down back foot, put it in the corner of the end zone on a rope. Herbert's touchdown pass that led that comeback was the hardest thrown ball I've ever seen live. And I've seen Favre Elway. 
I've seen the greats play. Never seen anything like that. And Burrow has the same type of arm, so the Raiders have to be ready for that. Allen in Vegas. Thanks for waiting, Allen. Thanks for calling. JT, I'm so sick of the national media this week that are covering this game. Their main argument is, well, the Bengals beat them at a legion last time, so they'll beat them again, no problem. Did nobody watch the game uh, back in, what, week seven or week eight? The Raiders that played that game are not the Raiders of now. They lack the togetherness, the cohesiveness, the execution that we're seeing now and we've been seeing for the past four or five weeks. Right now, this team, they're just playing for one another and executing their own individual assignments for the betterment of the team play. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we have just as good of a chance as anyone coming in this weekend to beat the Bengals. Right now with Burrow, he's a young quarterback. He's never been to the playoffs. I know he's from Ohio. He he can deal with the cold. Mm -hmm. But, Listen, we beat the Browns last season in the snow and the sleet. Yeah, that's, no problem. that's a good the game. Raiders, we mm-hmm. can face them, no problem. And I just wish the national media would recognize what the Raiders are right now. And if they did not watch the game on Sunday, go back and watch it. These are two completely different teams. Yeah, and the national media, thanks for the call, should know more about that. They should know that, but they don't. They don't know half the roster. That was my big deal when... I just want to share this with you quickly before we come back and play a Gus Bradley's presser. If, if you've been listening all year, and I really appreciate the fact that you have, it means everything to our partners. In August and September, I watched all the TV and the radio shows, and they were all picking the Raiders to come in last. You remember that? They were picking the Chargers or Denver over the Raiders. Kansas City would win the division. And a lot of people had the Raiders third or fourth, which is fair. You're allowed to do that. There's nothing wrong with that. But they didn't know the team. They didn't know how to pronounce Yannick Ngakwe. They didn't know that Casey Hayward could have a big year. They didn't understand that Trayvon Merrick could come in and start. So the people who bet against the Raiders, if they knew the Raiders, I wouldn't have been upset about it. They knew nothing about the Raiders. They didn't know the roster, the depth chart, nothing. And now they're all coming around again trying to study up on the Raiders because they don't know the team. They didn't watch the team most of the year. All they did was, you know, look and say, wow, they're now resilient. Henry Ruggs, Henry Ruggs, John Gruden, Henry Ruggs. And that's the storyline on all these debate shows. You know, you wake up in the morning, you see Skip and Shannon or my buddy Stephen A is fighting through COVID. He's been out a while. But some of the other nonsense debate shows, now all of a sudden they're saying, oh, the Raiders are resilient. Well, why weren't you saying that months ago? They were resilient months ago. No one was paying attention. And in regards to Derek Carr in cold weather, this is the biggest test. And the biggest test awaits him because it's, it's about cold weather games. He's got to prove that he can win in cold weather games. Since being drafted by the Raiders, Carr has failed to win a game. This was going into the Cleveland game in which the temperature is below 50 degrees. He's 2-9. and nine. Both of his coldest weather wins came in 2015 at Denver, at San Diego. So when you look at him, we got to see how he can handle this weather. I think he'll be fine. He's Derek Carr. Got a lot more confidence with his experience than Joe Burrow, even though Joe Burrow is a tremendous talent. 888-623-3646. Excuse me. 
702-365-9200. Haven't done that in a while, Bobby. Uh, Tim in Texas. Tim, let me get you up here before we uh, get to Gus Bradley. Go ahead. Oh, yeah. I was just calling. Uh, I've, been, I've, uh, I've drove 13 hours from Lubbock, Texas, to watch the Raiders this year, to watch the Raiders play against Baltimore. I drove 13 hours uh, to watch the Raiders play against um, – uh, Denver, I flew mm-hmm. last weekend to watch the Raiders play the Chargers uh, all the way from Texas. And um, um, I, it, just like you said, everybody was picked us to finish last, and, and I, was, I, was, I, I wasn't having it. I don't, I've won over $5,000 on Raiders games this year alone. Uh, and, and every time I came to Las Vegas, not one time did I get a chance to actually go to the game itself mm-hmm. because I'm not vaccinated. I'm not going to get vaccinated, and I'm not going to let nobody make me feel bad about not uh, uh, jabbing, getting a jab that I don't trust. All right. Well, you don't. if you don't want to get the jab and you don't trust it, if the term is, you know, 62% of Americans trusted and got the jab and you don't want to do that, the penalty is you can't go to Raider games, and you seem okay with that. Yeah, I'm fine. I had, okay. I had a Good. blast. There. I had a blast. When I came to Las Vegas, even though I would, I would love to go to the game, I had a blast just, just, uh, just with the Raiders fans, just with the Good. Raiders fans. I've never taken a flu shot, and I won't take the COVID shot either. Okay, I've taken flu shots my whole life, and I'm totally vaxxed up. Appreciate your call. You know, I, I feel like at my age, my health, I'm in good shape. Uh, I feel good about it. Uh, at this age, I want to see my 83-year-old dad. I thought it was great for me to do it. I feel great about it. And most Americans do. The majority the majority of Americans are vaccinated. So those who are not are in the minority, and they'll remain in the minority, and you make your own decisions now. But I won't be seeing you at a Raider game anytime soon. 702-365-9200. When we come back, we'll get an update from Gus Bradley. We could play a few, but I told Bobby, roll on Gus. Because the defense has got to defense has gotta be ready. Jamar Chase, Joe Burrow. Hey, if you're looking for something to do this weekend, Raider game, how about early? Go and play some golf inside Area 15 at Five Iron Golf. Hit golf balls, get some food and drink. You can watch the Raider game there as you're playing golf simulators. It's a great time. Five Iron Golf. Jacobs is a running back. Play action. Here's Carr looking left, firing. Touchdown! Jackpot, baby! Hunter Renfro, first to score! Brent Mutzberger on the call. It'll be great to hear Brent on the road in Cincinnati along with Lincoln Kennedy. JT back with you as we get you ready for the Bengals. Uh, Big shows the rest of the week. We got a lot going on. We've had Hall of Famers Rod Woodson, Dave Casper on this week. I'm booking the show for tomorrow and Friday, trying to get you the best guest in all the Raider Nation and hearing from you. And I think this is the calm before the storm. I personally believe a lot of fans are tired. A lot of fans are regrouping now. Anybody who went to the game on Sunday, that was draining. That took a lot. Even the staff that worked. I talked to a gentleman on the post-game show, one of the general managers, inside the Modelo Cantina Club. And this is at the end of the post-game show. This is 90 minutes after the game. No one's there. I go, how you doing? He goes, I'm drained. I go, you better believe you should be drained. Your place is packed. 
You worked all day. You got here three hours before the game to stock the bar, work here, do an amazing job. I mean, people in the stadium were drained. The staff would put together that great presentation. So I have a feeling people just needed Monday and Tuesday to kind of get their legs underneath them. Now I'm treating Thursday like the weekend, and then we have a game on Saturday. For those who are saying they didn't do the Raiders any favors playing on Saturday, I'm not going there as much. Fans have said some pretty aggressive things about the scheduling quirk. It's really bad that you'd make them play Sunday night. So Sunday night football was flexed by the NFL. So the NFL knew what they were doing. They flexed the Raider game to the last possible game of the year. And then they make the Raiders play the first game of the playoffs. That doesn't seem fair. Now, I don't say that they had to make them wait till Monday for Monday night football. I mean, they got logistics. They got to get stadiums ready. Got television trucks that need to get on the road and get to these stadiums. But wow. So the Raiders have a super short week. I'm going to interview Rich Passaccia tomorrow and ask him that question. And I know what the answer is going to be. I'm going to say, Coach, how are you going to handle a short week? And he's going to say, well, we're going to handle it. On to the next question. He doesn't want anybody thinking that the Raiders feel that they're slighted because they don't feel they're slighted. But Raider fans do because they played Sunday night and they're playing Saturday on the East Coast time clock in Cincinnati early. That wasn't fair to the team. The same crap went on with the Cleveland game when it was moved. Same garbage went on when they changed the protocol for Carson Wentz. Same thing went on last year when they didn't change the game against Tom Brady. They moved it up. They flexed it out of Sunday night and moved it up when the Raiders didn't have their entire offensive line and Jonathan Abram all week due to COVID. I mean, has anybody done the Raiders a favor anytime the Gruden leaked emails? It's a big topic that's coming back in a big way. I'll leave you on that note. Cryptic? Damn straight. That thing's not going away. Before we get to Gus Bradley, Chris in West Oakland checking in. What's happening, Chris? Hey, I won't be cryptic, KT. It's pretty obvious. Anytime there's been a decision, whether it's a game, anything involving the Raiders, whether it's COVID or anything else, but specifically COVID, it's screwed the Raiders. It hasn't helped us. It's and there we got a, Aaron Rodgers fakes vaccination, does all this crap. Nothing's done to him. The Raiders lose a draft choice because people went to Darren Waller's uh, party last year. And just I'll get on that tangent later. But you're right. I won't be cryptic. The league has flat out screwed the Raiders in regards to COVID. Um, I didn't get a lot of chance to talk so far this week. I just want to say what a game Sunday. I want to throw this in the ring. I believe Coach Basaccia deserves Coach of the Year. There's never been a team in an NFL season have to go through what this team has. And for these guys to play for them, he's held tough. I don't know what the future holds. I know this. Coach Basaccia has a great place in Raider history wherever he is next year, whether he's the coach of us or the Raiders go in another direction. But this man deserves serious consideration for NFL Coach of the Year. I'm not going to get to call the rest of the week, JT, so I'm going to go to my game stuff right now. I think the bad weather, they're talking weather in the teams with snow. As much as the Raiders' conservative game plan's driven me nuts, I think that's going to help them. I think it's going to slow down the Bengals more and help the Raiders' weak secondary. If they can get to Burrow and force a couple of turnovers, Burrow's a young gunslinging stud. He's also never been in a playoff game before either. I know Carr hasn't either, but he's an eight-year veteran. I've got faith that keep the game close. Every time this year, I, we've won six plays on the last game, and he's Carlson's kicked a lot of field goals, but Derek Carr has got us in position to win these games every single time. 
Not going to – bad weather, JT. I'm going to go out on a limb. 23-21, Daniel Carlson's going to do it again at the gun, and we're going to move on maybe to Kansas City the next week, but we'll, we'll worry about that later. Whatever happens, though, this has been a magical ride. I don't think it's over yet. This team's got a look in its eye, and like I said on the postgame show – I know you're in Vegas now, JT, but this team's got a gritty, gutty Oakland feel to it. They don't quit. They show up and play hard every single week, and I know they will compete Sunday. Thank you, my friend. I'll talk to you. Uh, try to get in on the night show, but probably won't talk to you until the postgame Saturday. Later. Thank you, Chris. I appreciate it. And as one of the fans told me at the postgame show last week, that was the most Oakland Raider game played in all of Vegas. That game on Sunday night had a feel of an Oakland Raider game. It really did. I think a lot of fans believe what Chris just said on that. Fantastic experience. No one's forgotten Oakland. Everybody loves Oakland. The history of the Oakland Raiders, the L.A. Raiders. How many Oakland Raiders do we have on this show? Who <laughs> were dominated by Oakland Raider alumni. Dave Casper talked about it today. He misses Oakland in a big way. All right, let's get to Gus Bradley, defensive coordinator for the Silver and Black Intermountain Healthcare Performance Center a little while ago. Hey, Gus, this is Tashawn Reed from The Athletic. Uh, since that first matchup you all had with the Bengals, they've really leaned into being a pass-first team, and we've seen Burrow and those guys put up some big numbers. Um, what, what have you just observed from them, and how different of an offense you know, have they presented you know, since that initial matchup that you all got had? Well, you're right. They're, they are playing at a high level, scoring a lot of points, putting up a lot of yards offensively. You know, they still have the run game that uh, keeps you on edge. Now, we've got a lot of respect for, for the running backs, Mixon, uh, very, very talented back. So you couple that with the skill that they have and the quarterback they have, and, uh, you know, that's the reason why they're scoring so many points. They really look like they're a team that's in a lot of good rhythm, making very good decisions uh, from uh, Joe. So uh, just, you know, very talented. Gus, this is Hondo Carpenter. You talk to your guys all the time about getting better. How is your defense better? Tashawn just talked about their offense is better. How is your T defense better since November 21st? Well, I think that, uh, you know, they're playing together more. The communication's better. Uh, the execution's better. I think we're doing a much better job on third down. Uh, you know, so I think, you know, that comes back to just our execution. So, you know, it really starts up front for us. I think those guys, you know, kind of set the tone and the back end is uh, played accordingly. So uh, they, they feel like they're playing as a unit right now with the communication. It's not just understanding the defense, but some of the things that go along with down and distance tendencies and some indicators for us. Hey, Gus, this is Vic. I'm wondering, uh, you had uh, Teamer and Faceon back in L.A., and I'm wondering, what did you see then with those guys, and have they kind of surpassed your expectations this year also? Yeah, uh, you know what? They they did a good job. You know, Faceon was a guy that went back and forth from practice squad, and so was Teamer. So, you know, to get those guys in here, they understand things. They're, they're, they've really grown, I think, in the last year. You know, with their opportunity to play, they seem more game-ready. Uh, always been very competitive, uh, you know, and got a really good skill set, but I think they're playing with more consistency. And that just comes with playing. So, you know, we relied on both of those guys, and, you know, they've been a big addition to us. 
Hey, Coach, this is kind of a two-parter. Uh, for starters, uh, Joe Burrow is one of the most sacked quarterbacks, if not the most sacked quarterback in the league. So, one, how much urgency does that really put on the defensive lineman to really get after him to disrupt the game? And also, Nicholas Morrow was also taken off of IR. What's the status right now with uh, how things are going going into the game? Well, we'll see how it, how it went today with Nick. You know, it's great to have him back and, you know, just get a chance to see him and, uh, you know, see his movement and where he's at. He's worked his tail off these last couple months and to put himself in this position. He's a guy that's been in every meeting, takes meticulous notes. So that's what we appreciate about him now. He, he's, he is on the details. So we'll see just physically where he's at. And then... Uh, you know, with Joe and 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 uh, the pressure, you're. I think that's with every quarterback. Every quarterback, you go in the game trying to find ways you can affect him. Uh, he's pretty steady now. He doesn't get affected too often. He's highly, highly competitive, so he'll extend plays. He knows he's got a great feel for the rush. He keeps his eyes downfield. So he is. You know, his quarterback rating I think is 108 on the season, which you know for the the number of years he's been in the league, that's unheard of. And uh, he's just extremely talented, extremely poised, and has tremendous faith in his skill players. Tremendous faith. And you see them with them back there. And, and, and really, I know they, they throw it quite a bit, so with that comes opportunities for sacks. But their offensive line has done a good job protecting them, giving them time for you know, some of these big games that he's had. Coach, uh, sorry, I had two for you also. Uh, first of all, how, how do you kind of guard against complacency? When some teams take the playoffs for granted, this team fought and scrapped and, and you know, clawed their way here. Uh, so it is an accomplishment, but how do you kind of guard against saying, okay, we've accomplished what we want to accomplish? And the second part is that relationship between Burrow and Chase. What makes that so special? And what did you do so well against them the first time? Well, I think, uh, you know, first of all, with uh, with Burrow and Chase, uh, I mean, they just have a great relationship. You can tell there's a lot of trust between those two. And I think they, you know, he knows where he's going to be. He knows that he gives them an opportunity. He's going to win the majority of the throws that he gets to him. So there's it's just a tremendous lot of confidence between the two. Uh, what was the first part? Sorry, just the guarding against complacency. Oh, okay, uh, yeah. When this is such an accomplishment. Right, right. Okay, sorry about that. Yeah, I, I would say this is that our, our motto the whole year is that we're after victory. And victory is being at our best. And that's what we're shooting for. And we feel like if we play our best, the wins will take care of itself. And as you saw in the game this past weekend, we still have a ways to go. We've done some very good things. We're more consistent, but we're not, we haven't reached victory yet. So I think that helps with that battle. Um, you know, guys are excited. They, I think they're a well-hardened team, well-hardened unit defensively. They've gone through some things, and I think that has helped them through adversity and realize, you know, they don't take it for granted. And they know all everything what it takes to, you know, to play at a high level. So we're still a ways away from that victory mark. They see that on tape, and I think that helps with the complacency. Hey, Gus, uh, coming into the season, I remember you talking a lot about how you wanted to have a, a really strong defensive line that kind of led the team, have guys that come in in waves. I think it's safe to say you've gotten there. And I'm, I'm sure you were hopeful coming into the season, but I'm wondering, was there a moment or a stretch of the season where you really felt like this unit kind of came into to what you envisioned for it? Yeah, probably the first game. You know, that unit made some plays, you know, some big plays. You know, we got a, a fumble with uh, Quentin Jefferson. You know, Nassib had a big play. Yeah. 
Max and Hank and, you know, those guys, I think you felt them from day one that they have a chance to impact the game. And uh, it's just continue. I think, you know, we just played a tape for our guys just looking at the D-line and their effort and challenged really everybody to match that type of effort. And, uh, you know, they're just playing at a high level. There's an extreme amount of trust and belief. Coach Marinelli, Coach Smith have done a tremendous job with their mindset. And, uh, you know, when you put on the tape, you really feel them. You really feel them against the run and the pass. So we just got to continue to work hard. There's things that they can get better at as well. But uh, overall, very pleased with how they've really set the tone for our defense as far as the standard of effort. All right, that's Gus Bradley. A lot of good points there about how this team will be ready to go, what they're going to do, how they're preparing this week. Again, that next man up mentality. And Nicholas Morrow, Nicholas Morrow's been gone all year. It says a lot about him as a potential leader, captain of this team, because he was supposed to get the C before the start of the year, how he worked his ass off to get ready for this game or to be here. A lot of guys would have just shut it down. See you next year. Not going to do it. That's very impressive to hear. It was brought to you by our good friends at Remy Martin. When we're talking X's and O's, it's with the Remy Martin cocktail. Yeah, it definitely, it definitely was. You know, I, I talked about it. You know, coming into the season, being more aggressive, and sometimes it leads to. Honestly, more picks, but sometimes those picks are just, you know, big, deep punts, you know. Um, and so um, sometimes we get kind of skewed with statistics and things like that. You know, you got to look at decisions and why and when and where. Uh, but the fact that we're throwing the ball down the field, you know, I always talk to Kurt Warner about it. He's like, you know, I never cared about the picks. He's like, as long as I was throwing the ball down the field, it let those DBs know they got to back up so I could have everything else that I wanted later. And so... Um, it's definitely a conscious decision that I'm trying to throw and force the ball down the field. Um, you never want to do it, overdo it, but um, I guess that's a little bit of the number four in me now um, you know, that I had in college and it's coming out. That's good to hear. Derek Carr, JT, back with you as we wrap it up. Thanks to everybody at BillsHappen.com. BillsHappen.com if you need cash for any reason. They're Raider fans. They will hook you up. They are working. They're manning the phones. They're taking your calls. They're seeing what you're sending them at buildshappen.com, especially this time of year. You want to travel to a Raider playoff game. You need extra cash to pay off the holiday bills. Whatever you need, buildshappen.com. Hey, last thing, if you, if you know, I love the road trips of the Raiders, and because of COVID the last two years, I haven't been able to travel with the team, which has really been my biggest perk of my entire time with the team is the road trips. If you came to my New Orleans party, a long time ago, if you were able to do some other cool trips that we've done, I really take pride in that. Going on the road to the tailgates is part of my DNA with this team. So the road schedule for next year came out. So we obviously know Denver, Kansas City, and the Chargers are set. But Jacksonville is on the trip. I love Jacksonville. My in-laws live in St. Augustine. I'd love to go there. L.A., short trip. Now, we know that the uh, Raiders take over. Charger games in L.A., they can do it with the Rams. Did you see how many 49er fans were at that Ram game? Ooh, that was a bad look. For those who have ripped on some opposing fans coming to Allegiant, nothing like the Niner fans that took over. And the Raider fans are going to have to be worried about that next year because the Niners are coming to Vegas. And I know Raider fans are going to say no, but whoever puts those tickets up on StubHub next year, 
or on secondary sites. Believe me, every Niner fan is going to buy it, so keep that in mind. Same with the Patriots. Patriots come to Allegiant next year. But back to the road schedule. How about this? Jacksonville, L.A., New Orleans. We all got to find a way to get to New Orleans. That's the game we want to go to. On the road at Pittsburgh and Nashville. My wife can't wait for that trip. We want to go see the Golden Knights and the Raiders in Nashville. And at Seattle. The Raiders schedule does not look easy, huh? Arizona, New England, and San Francisco and the Colts at home. And then on the road at New Orleans, who are always good, the Steelers, the Titans, the one seed. Seattle's a tough place to play, and the Rams are in the playoffs. And two games with Kansas City. Woo! We'll talk about that in the offseason. Hopefully the offseason isn't for a couple of weeks. Thanks to all of our partners. Thanks to Bobby, the ghost, Dave Casper, Bill Williamson, who joined us and was fantastic. Love all the guests we're able to have. And Jonathan Hankins. Appreciate Big Hank coming in. Have a great day, everybody.